Hello, hello. This is Table 5 and I'm Lindsay Luttrell. Thank you for tuning in for another episode. I'm starting this one off with a little housekeeping because I have a very exciting giveaway coming up. So be sure you are following along at Table5Pod on Instagram so you don't miss it. It's so exciting. As always, I wanted to start this podcast with a restaurant rec. And I mean, listen, I could do a whole series on where to eat in Mexico City, but because I just got back and had one of the best meals of my life, I'm giving this rec to, drumroll please, Maximo Bistro in Roma Norte. The restaurant itself is stunning. When you walk in, you pass by a pristine open kitchen. Well, it has glass, but you're you're seeing through is what I mean by open, which I love. I could stand there all night watching the flow of a busy kitchen. Like, I, I don't know, for me, something about that is just so satisfying. Probably because if I'm ever cooking in my kitchen, it's a total disaster zone. So <laughs> I have an appreciation for a well-run kitchen. The service was a... 100. A plus, gold star. Our server was incredible. The drinks were delicious and the wine was exactly what we asked for. I feel like I say this on here a lot, which I'm not sure what that says about me, but wine is key for me. So to have the psalm know what to recommend based on our preferences and it be spot on was just cherry on top. But the food... It is incredible. It may seem odd to some to hear that, like, you know, I would be recommending a Caesar salad so hardcore, but to say you must order the Caesar salad, like you must order the Caesar salad. And if you like French onion soup, you will love their dish of onions, like slow cooked onions in whey. And they come like au gratin style with bubbling cheese and I'm telling you, like, my life was forever changed. But I do know that their menu changes pretty regularly, so I don't want to recommend too many specific dishes. We did not have a bad bite. We didn't have a mediocre bite. I could go on and on, but I'm too excited to get to my next guest. But I will have a post on Table 5's Instagram of our experience at Maximo Bistro. So be on the lookout for that soon. The moment is here. I'm so excited. I am so excited about my next guest. I honestly still can't believe it. This is a pinch me moment brought to you by direct messaging on Instagram. I mean, what did people do before it was socially acceptable to just message someone out of the blue that you've never met before on social media introduce yourself and ask for a favor. Like, I still can't believe I did that and that it worked, but you know what? Here we are. My next guest is the creator of the iconic sitcom, Everybody Loves Raymond, but you may recognize him as the creator, executive producer, writer, and host of the most popular food and travel show on Netflix, Somebody Feed Phil. In addition to launching its sixth season yesterday. He also released his second book, Somebody Feed Phil, The Book. The book is a compilation of the most requested and must-have recipes from the chefs he's highlighted on the show, 
as well as stories, behind-the-scenes photos, and so much more. In this episode, we discuss his early days as a struggling actor and finding his way into a successful writing career. We talk about his love of food and travel and sharing that with others. I am such a huge fan and career admirer of his, and I still can't believe I got the chance to chat with him. So please enjoy my next guest, Phil Rosenthal. Hi, how are you? Nice to see you. I want to make sure that I'm doing everything right. This is the one I need my headphones and my microphone, right? You can have headphones or no headphones, but yes, you, if you want to put a microphone in, that's great. I just want to make sure that I'm using, that it's coming through to you through the mic as it should be. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, you sound great. Okay. How's that? Is oh, that good? great. Yeah. And you can hear me good. Very good. Awesome. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, how are you? Very good. Good. I am just so honored that you are coming on my podcast. Thank you, dear. Who knew that I could just slide into someone's DMs and they would respond? I can't even, I feel like typically my guests I've either worked with or I know them. And I just am such a fan of yours that when I Thank messaged you. you, I was just honored that you would say yes. Well, you were so sweet that I said, how could I say no? Where <laughs> are you? What town are you in now? So I live in Santa Monica in Los Angeles. Oh, very close. And and this is your kitchen I'm seeing? This is my kitchen. It's very yes. clean. Yes, I, I keep a clean house. Good. <laughs> it's too small to have clutter. <laughs> yes. Um, and you're in Los Angeles, right? I am. I'm in Hancock Park. Hancock Park. That's great. Very East Coast. So yes. that that's why that's why I'm here because I'm from the East Coast and just felt you know if I'm going to live here, yeah. And now it's been more than half my life has been here. Oh yes, my gosh, yes. So that is my thing. So obviously, I love to start at the beginning. Obviously, people know you from being the creator and just extraordinaire of the sitcom Everybody Loves Raymond which is incredible. And then Thanks. now you have Emmy nominated and James Beard nominated. Am I right? For somebody. We won that. We actually won the James Beard for uh, I'll have what Phil's having, which was the PBS yes. precursor to this. So Amazing. We, we actually won that. We've won a bunch of stuff now. Yes. You're, so a, nice. you're a big deal, Phil. Well, <laughs> don't, tell, can you tell my wife? Exactly. Um, no, so I am thrilled to have you on and I want to get into all of that. But first, Whatever you want. I want to start yeah. from the beginning. So how did you, yeah, how did you get to LA? Because your parents from Germany, correct? That's right. And you were raised in New York? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just, I guess I just, they're very funny, as you <laughs> can tell if you ever see the show. Yes, I have. Uh, and they're amazingly funny. It, considering where they came from yeah nazi germany and and so uh humor was just the currency of our home if we weren't yelling we were laughing I love and that. all i wanted to do as a little kid was try to make them laugh and then i found that if i could imitate the funny guys on tv like i'm talking about reruns of the honeymooners and anybody funny on ed sullivan or johnny carson or these sitcoms or stuff if i could imitate them or try to be funny uh, then i could maybe stay up later right right and and win their favor 
And in school, the only legal way to do that without being thrown out of class was to be in the school play. And so at a very early age, I was in the school play. And in, in junior high and high school and college even, I was a very big star. And then, <laughs> I believe it. And then I graduated and moved into New York City. And you know that New York City never heard that I was a very big star in high school and college? The nerve. I was shocked at them. <laughs> and so I struggled for years. So you went to, to New it. York to be an actor? A comedic actor. I didn't. I didn't have the stomach for stand-up. Tried it once, I think, when I was 19. And I think my clothes are still wet from the sweat of that evening. I can I only imagine. I mean, it was, uh, I have nothing but the utmost respect for anyone who does that. Oh because you don't even, you're not even a singer. You don't have a song to hide no. behind. This is just you and your brain. And that's it. Well, uh, forget it. Yeah. However, I loved making a character or being being funny that way. So totally. I would say a character actor was what I was going for, right? Well, I, the other thing I didn't have the stomach for was auditioning, oh. especially just trying to get an agent is devastating. Do you act at all or have you? I don't. I mean, I don't. As a child, I think that was my idea. I, I was in a play when I was seven. And I'm like, I'm the next Julia Roberts. That's and, right. And, you know, if I met you for longer than two minutes, you heard I was moving to Los Angeles. That's right. But then I went to college for like audio and video production and I moved yes. to LA right after college. So almost yes. 15 And years where are now. you from? I'm from the South, right below Alabama on the Gulf Coast of Florida. It's called Destin. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So I, no, I never came out here to be an actor or I just, but yeah. I think when as a kid, I was like, I'm a star. I'm a twin. So I was probably just starving for attention. <laughs> I was too. I was starving for attention because you know, when I was five years old and I was the big star in my house, yes. my parents suddenly brought home this thing from the hospital who was now replacing me. Richard. They do that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I couldn't, I couldn't understand what I had. What did I do? I right. thought my ratings were good. Why was I being replaced? Oh my gosh. Hilarious. So I was completely jealous. And, uh, you know, it probably started me off on that quest to yeah. for for some more attention and i mean i struggled for seven years i think in new york having lots of odd jobs until some friends of mine and i wrote a show for ourselves to be in why did it take seven years to learn that easy lesson which is right no <laughs> one is waiting for you no one cares that you were a big star in high school and college. You have to literally write your own ticket. If you don't make it, no one's making it for you. Yeah. It's very rare that you walk in the door and you're exactly what they were looking for for their idea. Totally. So if anyone's listening, <laughs> this is the secret. Make it yourself. We're all born now with a movie studio in our pocket. It's the, wild. The advantages that you have now to literally make a podcast if you want to, to make a film if you want to, or a TV show or anything you want in the arts, you can do. It's so accessible. It's at fingertips, just right there. And sometimes life presents you with what you're supposed to be. And for me, it was writing. The moment I focused on writing, 
I was successful. The moment, and I mean, we, and when I say moment, that show that we wrote became a giant off-Broadway hit. At the same time, a friend of mine came to my house with his word processor and said, we're going to write a screenplay. And the first screenplay we wrote, we sold to HBO. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. And I went from being a hundred air to a thousand air. And I went oh. from eating tuna fish for dinner as an actor to being a writer and eating whatever I want. That's a nice leap, especially in New York City. <laughs> you got it. And so, of course, I still, I didn't get the message yet. I was acting in that show that we wrote together. And an agent saw me and said, if you come to Hollywood, you will never stop working as an actor. So when that show was done with me, I packed a bag and I moved to Hollywood and I never started working as an actor. I you just, never even started? Nothing. The guy... I don't know if you if this will be a shock to you, but some people in show business lie. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I've never heard that. <laughs> I'm I'm here to I hate to burst your bubble, but yes. That's wild. And I don't know what sick thing was in his head. Point? Was I with my wife? Yes, I was. Oh, so y'all moved together to, to LA. Uh actually I moved out one year before her. I said, let me give this a shot. Okay. Wow. And if I'm successful, I'm sending for you. So we weren't quite married yet. I felt that if, even though we had lived together now for four years, I said, I think, you know, I can't even support myself, let alone a family. So let me see what I can do there. There's no point in you moving if this is going to be a bust, right? Right. Let's, let's just, you know, I got hired right away on a sitcom as a writer, right? Like, like within a few months of were moving you- here at all disappointed that you were like, I'm getting writing jobs, but not acting jobs? Or were no, you like, was, whatever was, pays the bills? Whatever pays, listen, you're desperate. And yeah. and, you, and at least it's connected to the field that I love, right? So right. I was thrilled. I mean, a job on a sitcom as a writer is a very big deal. Very big deal. Uh, especially then when there were so few. Now there's a lot more, but I don't want to. I don't want to uh, paint a rosy picture of the industry. That oh, there's so many opportunities. Yeah, there's many opportunities, but the floodgates have opened as well. So Tremendously. If the pool is now this big, the water coming in is that big, right? Right of talent or people who want to be in the business, right? So it does. Yes, I, I, it seems like there are many opportunities, but just like everything else now in our world, it's very much a gig economy. Right. So people need to have lots of TV shows. Yes. Whereas, you know, in my day, when we did Raymond, if it hit, you could be on for nine years. Right. That's a career. That's a, a life. Now it's, you might have five episodes and that's it. Right. You I can't know. live on that. I remember when I was moving out here and my dad was like, well, you got to get a job before we move. And I'm like, well, that's not how it works. And he's like, yeah, that's what happens. You graduate college, someone hires you. They tell you the benefits. The, and I'm like, oh, yeah. no, 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 I don't have benefits. I won't have any of that. I'll have like a day rate. And he's like, what are you talking about? That's and right. he could not, still to this day, even Can't with my success, it. he cannot fathom that I've gone from a show to a show, that I'm freelance, that I pay for my own insurance, you know, all that stuff. He's like, I don't understand. I'm like, I know, just let me go through the process. 
the gig economy. It's affected Again. everything. And I think that not to get on a soapbox, but the, the, the problem with the whole world are these short-term goals. Yes. The whole world thinks now short-term. Get it now, screw later. Right. And when you think that way, guess what? There is no later. Right. What, what, what if we planned for the future? What right. if, you know, I have children, hopefully have grandchildren. I would like the world to be nice for them. Right. My friend Larry Gelbart was a great uh, sitcom writer, old, older gentleman, did MASH, wrote Tootsie, you know, just one of the greatest yeah. of the greats, and Norman Lear. I oh, got I to have lunch. How do you not? So we're having lunch one day, and they ask me, the young one, what's it like in TV now? And I started to explain it. And Larry turns to Norman and says, we're dying just in time. That's... Oh man, that's really You know true. what I mean? And that has stuck with me. But my message is one of hope and happiness, uh, at least as intended. And that is this. We actually don't know the future. We're going to do what we can to safeguard it. But for you yourself personally, you'll never be as young as you are right now. Oh. Meaning not everything may work as well as it does right now. So travel. Yes. Travel, have experiences in your life that you can now when you are able to do it. Right. Do it. Don't wait. You had said something before about, um, it just always stuck with me and I loved it because I feel the same way. You said something like, I feel like the world would be a better place if more people experienced a little more of someone else's experience. Yes. And that's what I always say. I'm like, you don't know what you don't know. So go get it. Like, go try it, learn it, travel there, taste it, do whatever it is so that you can at least open up your thought process and the way you view the world a little yes. different. If you stay in a bubble, you're going to live in that bubble. It's the greatest education you can possibly have because it certainly doesn't feel like school in any right. way. Right. It feels like my show. That's what travel feels like. Yes. Okay. But it's better than my show because it's you in the show. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Your show is really good. <laughs> it's only good up to a point. What I tell people, and I've actually said this on the show, stop watching this and go. In the preface of my book now, stop reading this. Put the book down and call. And make reservations right yes. now. Do it. And of course, the show you're talking about is Somebody Feed Phil on Netflix. Yes. And I'm getting there, I promise. Um, but I do want to ask you, when you when you first were out here and then you're in the writer's room and yes. you're on these sitcoms, how yeah. then did you get to, how did you get Everybody Loves Raymond going? So uh, I, I worked on sitcoms that you never heard of for about five years. <laughs> then one that maybe you did hear of called Coach. I yes. was a writer on that, uh, working for other people. And during my third year on that show, I got a video cassette of a comedian who had been on David Letterman one time. And from that one six-minute appearance, David Letterman said, there should be a show for this comedian. There should be a sitcom. Let's uh, interview potential writers to create a show for this guy. So I was one of a dozen people that he met with, that they met with. And uh, 
I don't know. I, I don't even think I was his first choice, but I got lucky, I guess. So you didn't know Ray Romano before? Not at all. Oh, okay. So I've just always thought y'all were like just thickest thieves and best of friends. You are now, well, I think. Absolutely. He's one of my best friends. But, but uh, at the time, the only thing we had in common was that we were both born in Queens in New <laughs> wow. York. You know, but listen, uh, Donald Trump was born in Queens. I don't have much in common with him either. That's true. But, but uh, he, Ray, I loved immediately. For every story he had about his crazy Italian family, I had one about my Fakakta Jewish family. Right. And, and you know, I always say Jews and Italians, not so different. Right. Your problems are solved with food and your mother never leaves you alone. Right. <laughs> and by the way, I could say that I think safely say that about every culture on the earth. I was going to say, it's pretty dead on for the South too. <laughs> of course. you. But, but I learned in writing just the pilot of the show that the more specific I got about my experience, the more universal the show became because sure. we all relate to each other's specifics. I love that. Yeah. And then you were on that for nine seasons, nine years. right? And I never, it never occurred to me that I should be acting in the show, that I should be, I was so happy to be driving this car. Right. You know, if you're the showrunner of a show, you get to have a lot of creative input into yeah. something that you truly care about. And I was never going to leave that show because I was literally writing about my family. When would I have that outlet again? Right. So and it was you during were Raymond that, I convinced Ray, who did not want to go anywhere outside of his very tiny universe of where he lived and maybe the Jersey Shore. <laughs> and when I convinced him to go to Italy for the first time in his life, he didn't even want to get on a plane. I thought he was to, Italian. I know. I Talk know. to his therapist. <laughs> and he... Took a couple of years, three years maybe, to get him on the plane to go and do this episode that I wrote about his attitude. Going over there with that attitude, oh, I'm not really interested in other places. And coming back as with my attitude. Someone who loves to travel. Right. Someone who loves Italy, especially. And the food in Italy and the people and the, the gorgeous scenery and everything about it. Well, don't you know that during the filming of that episode, I saw a transformation in my friend, Ray. He got it. He got woke during what the thing. What was it? Was he like eating something? Was he yes. seeing something? He was eating yes, something. Exactly. It's almost, I don't know if you've seen that episode. I don't but know. it is the genesis of everything for me after that. To see his face light up from a slice of pizza or from a taste of gelato and then suddenly notice the beauty all around him. Mm -hmm. That's what travel does. And, and I've learned that if you can open a mouth, you can open a mind. Right. Right. Because it's a very good portal for change. I love that. You taste something delicious, it gets your attention. Right. It's pure pleasure. And if it's something you never tried before, you know, a bowl of khao soy in Chiang Mai, Thailand, you're suddenly very interested in that culture. Right. Right? Why? Because you fell in love. That's why. So you were watching Ray finally out of his comfort zone, traveling and eating food and realizing like there's so much more and this is why it's so important. 
And, you know, I would say to you, you probably do what you do because you enjoy turning people on to stuff you like. I love it. When There's someone no... calls me and asks me for a restaurant recommendation, yes. it's a better compliment than someone saying you have right. pretty hair or like, I like your You outfit. got it. You got it. And yeah. I don't even get the pretty hair comments. So, <laughs> yeah, but so I that's all I have. On your Instagram, is... people are constantly tagging you and things being like, thanks, Bill. Cause they're like having the taco from like an episode you did, or they finally found that hole in the wall in like Boston that you went to, you know, like people are always tagging you and stuff like that. Do you know that that's one of the great joys of my life that someone had a vacation and they trusted us enough to go where we went and have what we had and that they enjoyed it? That's so cool. Uh, that, that, that I could die happy. I right? love that. So when you were on Everybody Loves Raymond, were yeah. you already dreaming up this no. like second career in the culinary no. space? No. It just was in the back of my mind. Listen, I, that, that show we did halfway through Raymond, right? Like season five. And we still had another four years to go. So I was just focused on that. But in the back of my mind, wow, that was, that was fun. What if I could do that for other people? Right. But I wasn't like, oh, I can't wait for this thing to end and then do that. As a matter sure. of fact, after Raymond, I thought I was going to do more sitcoms. But I didn't. Nobody wanted them. The right. business had changed so drastically during the nine years that we were on, meaning yeah. that type of show they saw as an anomaly, the family sitcom. Right. They wanted, it would be five years before Modern Family came along, the next hit family sitcom. Right. People don't even do the form that our sitcom was in anymore. No. The four camera sitcom, which I love because it's this perfect in-between theater and film. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I love it. And when it's done well, there's nothing better. If you right. feel at home, like you're, it's an evening in the theater, but, but it's very hard to do because you can't just cut in the middle of a sentence to another scene and right. change the audience's attention. You have to finish a scene like right. a play. You have to have a beginning, middle and end, not just to the show, but to every scene within the show. Mm-hmm. So the writing, it's harder, but it's also so satisfying when I it bet. works. And I always said to the executives, why don't you like the form anymore? There's nothing wrong with the form. It's the content you're putting out there. Right. When the content is good, then everyone will come back to that. Right. Form. Then it works. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the only other one after us, I think, in that form that did very well was, was uh, Big Bang Theory. Mm -hmm. But that's yeah. it. That, is that it. was it. Uh, so I struggled again for years trying to get another sitcom. Everything they were offering me, I felt wasn't in my wheelhouse. You know, they always wanted to be, can you make it more hip and edgy? And I'm like, well, right. you got the right guy. I'm Mr. Hip and Edgy. <laughs> You're like, sure. I, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't write Friends if I wanted to. It's not just not me. Right. I could write the old Jewish parents of the yeah. <laughs> or Italian parents of Ray and Deborah. I could write Ray and Deborah. I could write the scenes, you know, the sibling rivalry. I could write all that stuff. Mm -hmm. That's my wheelhouse. Not everybody right. has to be able to write everything, but that's what I did. And then I thought, if I'm banging my head against this show business wall, trying to get a show again, why don't I try a show that I would love to do? What about a food and travel show? And when I walked into my agent's office and said, you know what, instead of trying to write sitcoms that make a lot of money. What if I do a food and travel show? Well, they looked at me as if I pooped on their desk. 
They're like, why are you saying this? Stop saying these words. You've obviously, uh, you're depressed and out of your mind, then you should go lie down and then write a sitcom again. Right. And I just wouldn't give up. And you want to know how many years it took me to get the food and travel show? I do. How many? 10. Wait, 10 years after yeah. everybody From the idea. Raymond? Yeah. Raymond ended in 2005. Right. And the PBS version of the show started in 2015. Wow. Yes. But and you were constantly working towards it that whole time? Uh, I would say off and on, yes. I did a movie between that. I wrote a book during that time. But that was it creatively. Wow. The movie was about Raymond, by the way. And it kind of also bridged the the making of the sitcom to me being in something on camera. I'm in that documentary called Exporting Raymond. Oh, cool. It's about the Russians calling me after Raymond was over and asking if I would turn my sitcom into Everybody Loves Kostya. <laughs> and I said, I'll do it if I can film the whole process. And it took a while for the government to approve it, but right. they did. And that movie is, I have to say, pretty funny because of how much I suffer during that process. Oh, that's incredible. I it's available on uh, iTunes, Amazon, and yeah. other places to see. And you wrote a, like a memoir, right? You wrote a I book I did. About, it's called yeah. You're Lucky, You're Funny, How Life Becomes a Sitcom. Yes. And it's about my life to that point. Uh, and now the book, the companion book of Somebody Feed Phil, is uh, not just, I guess, some memoir from making this show, but the best part, I think, is that there's 60 recipes in that book from the best chefs in the world. I can't wait to get my it's hands It's probably on the that. best cookbook. I can't imagine a better cookbook. And that part has nothing to do with me. It's the, These are requests from people who've seen the show and said, could I have that pork chop recipe? And yeah, it's in there. Right. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So when you went on to go do your new travel and food show, like the yeah. PBS version, and then you finally, yes. now you're on Netflix, yes. six seasons, yes. six is about to come out. Were you, did you ever struggle with any version of like, who am I to like jump into the culinary space? Or were you like, who am I not? Like, why wouldn't I? Was there I any had like to, weird imposter syndrome that's with a, that? By the way, that, that is a great question. I, I, uh, of course had those issues, but here's how I sold the show. I said to, uh, PBS that when I walked in that door and then Netflix later one, I said one line, I'm exactly like Anthony Bourdain. If he was afraid of everything. <laughs> That's amazing. So now, you know, where I'm coming from and you either right. want that show or you don't. Right. But you know, exactly what that show is going to be. Somebody who's like Bourdain, but maybe has a humorous twist on it, is not yes. an expert, is more of a tourist. I am decidedly and even proudly a tourist. I don't know half of what Mr. Bourdain or any chef knows. I'm a fan. And it's obvious that I'm a fan. I'm an enthusiast. Yes. You know, and, and I think that chefs like me because I love them, right? You won't mm -hmm. find a bigger fan of what they do. 
Right. I mean, I'm so crazy in love with this art form that I invest in restaurants. I know. I was going to ask you. I mean, people say the quickest way, like, set money on fire is to invest in restaurants. And you are such a pro restaurant. You invest yes. in restaurants. I know yes. you worked with Nancy Silverton, who I yes. love. Yes. And I just love that about you because Thank I'm you. the same. I feel the same as you. I'm a food enthusiast. I work in TV, but I have this passion project. Your passion project is a little more <laughs> grander than mine, but I get it and I love it. And I want to go to restaurants all the time. I love the experience. I also think chefs are like incredible and it's an art form. The celebration of the art form. Yes. Yes. So are you a, I, I'm not a cook. I'm a restaurant goer. Or do Me too. you cook? Not at all. Okay. I, I inherited that from my parents because they were great people, but uh, great cooks. Yeah. And I, I used to save up when I had no money and was eating tuna fish for dinner. Once a year, I would save up $100. This is in the 80s. $100. Wow, yeah. To go to one of the great four-star restaurants in New York oh, on my so birthday. Oh, and what I would a nice go with, little treat. It was like a travel like a vacation for the night and i had another idiot friend who would do the same thing with me and we couldn't afford dates so we would split one girl and It'd be the two of you and one woman that's right i love it who was a friend of ours yeah but you know she was she was kind of a semi-famous actress who who loved the kind of event of it and so you know she made us look better yeah, and the three of you enjoyed a great meal once oh, a year. The best, the best. That's incredible. What yeah. is it that like you love about going to a restaurant? So since you're also not a cook, you're not eating, you're not cooking at home. Like, what is it that you love going out? Well, if, if I could travel every day, I would, but I can't. So when you go to a restaurant, when it's well done, and I'm counting the atmosphere, the people you're with the cuisine, the drinks, all of it. It all contributes to a vacation yes. for the evening. That's what's great. Yes. But if the music is too loud, let me just say this. You've ruined my vacation. That's how I, I can't feel. talk. I'm there to talk to you. I'm there to, 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 I went out with you because I wanted to talk to you. Right? Right. I'm, I didn't sign up for your playlist restaurant. And it's blasting so loud, I can't even hear myself think. Don't other people feel this way? Oh, yeah. My dad is notorious for sitting at restaurants and like cupping his ear like this to listen. And mom's always like, move your hand. He's like, I can't hear anything. And he's just like trying to hear the conversation. You have to understand it gets harder as you get older. And yeah. you want to be there. You want to celebrate and have the great time. But you know what I do now? I'll sit down and I'll say, I have trouble hearing. Could you, would you mind turning it? And I go early. I don't want to ruin their buzz for the sure. night. By the way, I'll tell you the dirty secret. Now that I'm involved in restaurants. I love it. I learned this. Inside why, scoop. Why do you think the music is so loud in the restaurant? So we, Not every restaurant, but some restaurants. I have two theories. One, yeah. so you're not hearing everything at the table next to you. But nope. I really think it's because of kitchen noise. Nope. <gasps> Do tell, Phil. You want to guess one more thing? Ooh, okay. Um, okay, if it's not your table and it's not kitchen noise, I don't know. It's a terrible reason to me because okay. it's antithetical to why I think we go. They want you out faster. No. 
they make it loud so that you don't sit and talk, so that you eat and go, and so they can turn the table over because the restaurant margins are so thin. They need every single check from every single person that might come through that door. If you, you there's there's no financial benefit to you sitting a long time in that restaurant, even wow. though we think and we want to be going to a place that is welcoming and letting us enjoy life in their space. You know, like in Paris, you can sit with a cup of coffee yeah. on the corner forever and spend your afternoon. This is what I'm doing today. I'm sitting right. at the cafe and watching Paris go by, right? This does not exist here. I was going to say, I noticed I was just in Italy for 18 days over oh. the summer. I loved a piece of my heart in Florence. The best. But I was like shocked that if you have a reservation at six, mm-hmm. you can sit there till they close. They're not turning exactly. tables. It was no. that exact mentality where I was That's just, right. my boyfriend and I were like, what is yes. happening? Yes, this is the greatest place in the world. Yes. Right? And it wasn't blasting the music. They don't have no. to. The music is the Italy yeah. and the people you're with and the time you'll never forget. All of that, by the way, all those things, what you're hearing, what you're feeling, what you're, what the air smells like, it all, I think, literally affects the taste of the food. 100%. You ever have a bottle of wine? Let's say you were in Italy with your boyfriend and you had the greatest wine you ever had. You said, we got to buy that bottle. Then you take it home. Oh, oh yeah. How is it? Great. Is that- it the best wine you ever had in your life? No. You know why? Because you had it there. I had that, that literally affected experience. the taste. Yes. yes, of course. Me too. And my boyfriend laughs. He's like, let me, I'll take a sip. And he'll be like, what? And I'm like, nothing. He's like, let me guess. You yeah. don't love it anymore. And I'm like, I don't love it anymore. No, I and don't. And we spent $200. That? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's so funny. I feel the same way. The way you feel about music is how I feel about lighting in a restaurant. When the light is too cafeteria, too bright, I'm like, You don't people, want to sit there. No, I'm yeah. not in sixth grade. I'm like at dinner, yeah. having a glass of wine. Why is there recess lighting, spotlighting down onto my face? All of this affects the flavor of the food. Yes. I hear you, Phil. I am. We it are doesn't stop me age. from going. I no. still go. But if it's so loud that I have a bad time, I'm not going back. Mm-hmm. I don't care if the food is good. Yeah, you're fine. I can't. That. I go to, to be with you. Yeah. So, okay. Question. 365 days a year, three meals a day. How many do you think you have at a restaurant? Two out of three. Wow. A day? For the most part, I, I, yes, there are times when I have to fend for myself at home and make a hot dog. (laughs) Uh, And I do enjoy that. But more often than not, I'm either going to a restaurant or ordering in from a restaurant. And COVID, uh, uh, the golden age of takeout and delivery, right? right? The golden age. I'm so proud of all the restaurants that pivoted and took their main business, right? Right. And and made that, uh, made their side business their main business, right. right? The takeout and delivery. And some of it was absolutely beautiful and perfect. So, I mean, I'm such a fan that I want, I, that, that's what I do. And my, my wife, thank God, and my kids, you know, when they come over, they all love it too. Yeah. So tell me, you, so you're married to a very funny actress. Yes. Who's your wife for a very long time. And yes. you have two children. 
Yes. What do they think about this, this life, this, I mean, you had this career pivot ish and what do they think about it? Now you're like somebody feed Phil everywhere y'all go. They, they get a kick out of it. They can't believe it because I'm just stupid dad to them. And when people come up to me when we're out and get excited, they can't, I honestly go, this is not happening. Yeah. <laughs> Cause, and what's sweet is it came to me, you know, later in life, I'm not Justin Bieber, 19 years old, right. You know, <laughs> this is now crazy that, that at my old age, that people, uh, come up to me and, and get excited is, is the sweetest thing ever. And, and the book tour that I'm going to do is, is my thank you yeah. to everybody who watches and, and that I haven't met yet. Yeah. I'm doing yeah, like so 25 cities. I was going to say, so tell me, so you, you season six, by the time yes. this podcast comes out, season six of somebody feed Phil on Netflix will have just premiered and your book will have just come out. That's which a is, big week. The 18th week. of October, the book, the tour and season six all come out that week. It's incredible. And this book, I'm so excited about. I can't wait to get my hands on it because like you're saying, it is a cookbook, but they're not your recipes. They're no. all the recipes that are requested from the yes. show. Somebody That's feed right. Phil, which That's people right. are obviously obsessed with because you're going into season six. So See, tell me like the, the tour, you just want to go meet people and I do say thank I you. I do. It'll be an evening, you know, where uh, there's uh, it's a moderated conversation with a with a, like here in L.A. Uh, Allison Janney is going to moderate the talk with me. When is and that in L.A.? October 24th. You can come. I'm getting a ticket. Great. Great. I'll see you I there. Think the book, I think the book may even be included with the ticket. Yeah. Oh, cool. And then I, I guess I signed the book and I, we take a picture or whatever. So I want to meet everybody. Amazing. It's so fun. And by the way. The fact that we've been through COVID is not lost on me. No, the I know. The fact that I am so grateful to be reconnected with human beings. I, I love bet. it so much. It's my favorite part of the show, even more, don't tell anybody, but even more than the food. Well, I'm sure it's because the food is coming to you on the show from someone incredible that you're getting yes. to like talk to. And then you know yes. that you're sharing that experience yes. with an audience who is traveling or through you. Or just the person sitting next to me at the counter yeah, who is there for the same reason I am. Yeah. And I get to meet them. Yeah. Yeah. Your show is really special. I'm, I mean, I, that's why I messaged you because I'm a big fan regardless. But yeah, your show is really special. Did they send uh, you the new ones? No, they haven't. <gasps> All right. I'll have to get on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did want to ask you, you've been what seems like everywhere. I know you haven't, but it feels like you have. Is there? I anywhere... haven't scratched. I have not scratched the surface of the earth. Exactly. I've only done. Listen, I come from the world where everybody was saying it's twenty-four episodes a season. I've maybe done thirty of these shows. Right. Even though it's six seasons, it's only five or six episodes a season. Yeah. And it takes years to do it. That's crazy. Is there anywhere that you? Like, was there a place that surprised you that you weren't expecting to love as much or that you were every place, every, really? if I haven't been there, every place surprises me. Cause we all have these uh, preconceived notions of a yeah. place. Like when I went to Vietnam, I'm like, really Vietnam, that's going right. to be a fabulous. Uh, I, I saw apocalypse now. It didn't look so great. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Of what's going on there. Yeah. You get there. And of course that was 40 years ago, 50 years ago. And now it's the most beautiful place in the world. 
it's just spectacular. Everyone is smiling and sweet and charming and great. The food's unbelievable. The scenery's unbelievable. I, I couldn't recommend it more. Right. And I love being surprised like that. Yeah, it's the best. I mean, it's the best. Traveling and and yeah, having a place kind of break all the ideas that you had about it is yeah. one of the best feelings. I thought Croatia, for instance, in the, in season six now, I thought Croatia was going to be this kind of uh, war-torn former Yugoslavia. Like, how much fun is that going to be? Eastern right. Europe. Right. And you get there, and it's Italy. It's exactly like yeah. Italy. It's where Western and Eastern Europe meet. So you have the best of both worlds in this place. And in much of it, it's like half the price of Italy. Right. So I would tell young people, you know, Put if you're your starting – that's a you'll you'll see the episode. You're gonna want to go because it's it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's something between Italy and Greece, and and it's it's amazing. That's incredible. Yeah. Is there any like where? I mean, obviously, I know you're trying to go to everywhere you can possibly go, but what is the next place that you really want to go? India. Cool. Haven't been there yet. Have you? I have not. So that's a whole world. I I could do probably a whole series set in oh, India yeah. because. It's very different in every town you go to, right? I just can't, I can't wait. I think we were planning it before COVID hit, but now we have to replan. But hopefully, you know, they'll pick up the show. It's never a guarantee, you know, even if it does well, it's not a guarantee. Right. Uh, But if I'm lucky enough to keep going, that's one of the first places I want to hit. I haven't been to New Zealand yet. I haven't been to Australia on the show. I was there once in Sydney, but there's Australia's giant. I've only been to one or two places in Africa. That's a big continent to see. I want to do a safari episode. That would be fun. So Phil, let me know when you're hiring again for your for your crew, okay? Because I need to check some of these off my bucket list. <laughs> I gotta I gotta be honest, people don't quit this job. I would imagine not. <laughs> um, okay, great. And then tell me about really fast somebody um what's your your organization? Somebody feed the people. Yes. So that started love at it. the le- during the last election when I saw this this inhuman thing of uh, uh, closing polling places and making people wait online all day in the heat or the whatever, or the cold or the rain. And people did it. Why? Because they love the country and they want to exercise their right to vote. So I thought, what if we, you know, had food available at least to the people waiting online, which now they got wise and they started to outlaw. You can't give people water. Um, they're, they're trying to rig everything. So this makes me furious. But then after the election, I thought, you know, there's still people who need to eat even when they're not waiting online. So right. I've kept it. I've kept it going. Oh, that's incredible. I love that. Very yeah. cool. I do a quick fire five at the end of. every. Oh, podcast. here we go. Quick so fire. You, you Let's see how your, quick I am. <laughs> you have to do um, your your very first answer. But. Um, yes. Before I do that, may I suggest for your next season, you got to yes. go check out the Gulf Coast of Florida. I've seen you've been to New Orleans and Mississippi, but you got to go to the Gulf Coast of Florida. For really Where should good, I go there? I mean, I can give you some restaurants in Destin, Florida. All right. We'll talk some more, right? <laughs> Maybe we're we'll eat it. even. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, okay. So for my quick fire five, yes. last meal before you die. Uh, I've been asked this a lot. Uh, childhood favorites. Anyone? I feel like I want to go back 
to, to, to childhood. It's kind of the thing that I think we love the most. Yeah. When we find the idealized version of that childhood food that now like a chef has devoted their attention to. And now it's unbelievable. Like the best hot dog, the best pizza, the best fried chicken, the best burger, the best sandwich. Right. Yes. And then I would end everything with a bowl of my mom's matzo bowl soup. Oh, I love that. Um, okay. And then favorite city to eat your way through. Oh, that's so good. What a question. Uh, Rome is not terrible. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Los Angeles and New York and Philadelphia. Philadelphia <laughs> is coming up in this. There so many great food cities now. Philadelphia, people, you got to watch that episode. You won't believe how great it is. I can't wait. I love the food scene. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, okay, great. We kind of discussed this, but biggest restaurant pet peeve, not about the music. I read, and this bothers me too. I guess I'm like everybody else. Do you know what people will say is their number one pet peeve? What? Waiting for the check. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Yes. There's something about human beings. When we're done, we're done and we want to go. Yes. You know, unless you're, unless you're, if you're sitting and having a wonderful time and the music isn't too loud, you'll sit there forever. But once you've asked for the check, you want that check. Yeah. And you'd like to go on with your life now. And you're kind of held hostage until your waiter gets around to coming back with your check. Right. Well, and that's the other thing. I I know this is a quick fire, but now I have a thing. Yeah, yeah. I like it now that when they bring the thing to the table and they charge yes. you right there, because at least you're not having, now you've waited for the check, then you put your card down, then they take it, then they come back. At least at that point, you're like, here's my card and you pay for it. By the way, and when I use my phone at that thing at the table, it's like the meal is free. Exactly. <laughs> you never even knew that money existed. It's gone. Right. <laughs> Apple Pay is a blessing and a curse. I guess. Um, Okay, and then tell me, what's your favorite drink? Cocktail, wine, non-alcoholic, just rocks? Tequila rocks? Tequila straight. Nice. I learned that a few years ago. Used to be a scotch guy, and then I kind of transitioned into being a tequila guy. When it's neat, just by itself, and you're just sipping it, I'm not a shots person. I'm not 20 anymore. I need to, I want to sit with the drink, and my, my number of drinks in an evening and it's not every night but the number is usually one just enough to oh first first of all i'm doing it for the taste for the flavor right. yeah and second maybe oh i feel a little more relaxed that's it sure i think feeling drunk is a horrible feeling yeah that out of i don't control. like that feeling at all yeah i agree with that um okay and then number five do you have any tattoos no <laughs> No. First of all, in the in the, not that I'm very religious, I'm not religious at all, but you know, Jewish people not allowed by law to get a tattoo by Jewish law, not by right. law law. But but you, you can't uh, desecrate your body with the with that kind of thing. And I'm deathly afraid of needles and I'm definitely that deathly afraid of the commitment to something on my body forever. Same, same. Um, okay. And then my last thing would be for Angelinos, where are you loving locally? Like right now, I know there's probably a lot of spots, Like in this there moment, are. where's a place that you're like, you got to go check it out. Bub and grandma's 
which is the incredible bread of LA, they opened their cafe in Echo Park. Did you do yes, it yet? I haven't been yet, but I follow oh, let's them on go. Instagram. Okay, let's go. For breakfast or lunch? I will meet you there anytime you tell me when. All right, you can bring the boyfriend. Okay, he would love that. He used to be okay. a chef, actually. With, oh, yeah? With, he worked with John and Vinny over at Son of a Gun. So he's nice. all into that world as well. It will happen. Yes. So that's one. I like so many. I mean, I just love every. How about the way pizza has exploded in Los Angeles? There's it's so insane. many. You have a, probably some great ones in Santa Monica that I don't know. Do you know Prime? Yes. They opened because okay. they were on Fairfax. Yes. I Pretty don't ever great, right? know where to get pizza, which is actually very funny. So we order from John and Vinny's a lot. Um, he really, my boyfriend really likes Pizana. The best. Um, the best. Yeah, I never There's really no better. Know where to also, you've got to check out Chris Bianco from Phoenix yes. opened downtown. I'd meet you there too. Uh, that's crazy. Wait, has that opened that yet? Oh yeah. Uh, Lunch and dinner. Oh, I'm good. Yeah. I want to go to that too. It, at lunch, he does New York style pizzas. And at dinner, he does his famous Phoenix style pizzas. He he kind of revolutionized pizza in America. In fact, the New York Times, when Pizzeria Bianco opened in Phoenix, the New York Times said, this was 25 years yeah. ago, the best pizza in the United States is in Phoenix. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. And now LA is as good a pizza town as anywhere on earth. Yeah. Because yeah, people like him. And... pizza here. Have you been to Pizzeria Say? Oh, yeah. That's great. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Got to go just sit that little bar and have it. It's so good. Japanese style. Yes. I mean, we have everything. Yeah. That's why really I live do. in LA because the whole world is here. Yeah. It's very true. I could pick your brain on so much more. So <laughs> I'm just like, let's go. Um, thank you so much for coming on table five. I'm going to make sure everyone knows where to follow you about your book tour, the book season thank six. You. Um, so everyone will be abreast to how to keep up with Phil, but I appreciate you so much. And this has been a true honor of mine to have you on table five. It's an honor to meet you. And I was serious about eating. You will, you will know how to reach me now and we'll do it. I can't wait. That will be a dream come true. This has been incredible. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you. You take care. All right. Bye. Bye. I could have talked to Phil for hours, hours. I mean, I find him so fascinating. I hope you enjoyed that. Lucky for you, he is going on tour if you want to hear more. So to find out tour dates and to keep up with Phil, you can follow him across socials at phil.rosenthal. You can watch Somebody Feed Phil on Netflix. Season six is out now. And be sure to get your copy of Somebody Feed Phil, the book also out now. We didn't get a chance to talk about it, but Phil has a podcast as well called Naked Lunch, so be sure to give it a listen. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to Table 5. If you like what you're hearing, make sure to rate and review us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. And in case I haven't said it enough, you can keep up with Table 5 across social media at Table 5 Pod. Thanks for listening, y'all.